Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of <laughs> of the Logbox Guys. With me as always some of my very best friends since I was a very little kid. Josh, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. What, what are you drinking there? Oh, I am drinking a new uh, oatmeal stout from Treehouse called Heavenly. Ooh, I do like a nice oatmeal stout. What's, yeah, the, what's the taste notes? It's, I mean, it's really base level. It's like really nice back to old school. So a little caramel, a little chocolatey in there. It's nice. It's really nice, just clean, straight up beer. No, no tricks, no gimmicks. Just a really nice oatmeal stout. Save one of those for me. Put one of those aside. Tom wants one of those. Try one of those. We'll do. Mikey, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing fine, and I am drinking an A and W root beer. Delicious. Nothing wrong with a nice A and W root beer. Tommy, how about you there? I'm drinking some Grangestone 14 year double maturation Scotch whiskey. Scotch whiskey sounds delicious. Uh, I got myself a, a delicious rum and coke because I'm very piratey. Uh, some of the best pirates in history have been from China and Japan. Today we're talking about one of the heroes from Japan, Sunfire. I got that right? Sunfire's from Japan. Sunfire. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sunfire first appearance in X-Men number 64 back in 1970, created by Roy Thomas and Don Heck. A brash, brash uh, Japanese character. His mother had been from either Hiroshima or Nagasaki, and that's what it says in Wikipedia. It says either? It says either. Yeah, we, we're not sure. It's been we at Hiroshima or Nagasaki, and that's how things happened. But anyway. We're anyway. not sure where his mom is from, but we're sure we committed a war crime. Well, yeah, exactly. Okay. Sunfire is directly descended from a war crime exactly one of the two don't forget though it's never a war crime the first time you do it so you're saying that maybe he wasn't <laughs> maybe it wasn't because we're breaking new ground i don't think so I hey, think you get it. A war you crime. breaking new ground you're like you can't shoot a 50 cal at people show me where it says that well we're putting it in but put it in we won't do it again i'll put it in Sunfire, always a character that's been brash, proud of his heritage, proud of Japan, always representing. You know, early on in the X-Men, didn't want to join. Professor X convinced him to join for giant-size X-Men to, once again, free the original X-Men from Krakoa. He was involved for a couple issues. Then he kind of fell by the wayside and decided this isn't for me. Didn't want to be a joiner, wanted to do his own thing. Eventually got brought back by Apocalypse and twisted in, in Age of Apocalypse. And, and then my favorite Sunfire was when Sunfire was a drunken has-been just kind of on the streets of Tokyo, hanging out in bars, getting drunk all the time, feeling for, sorry for himself. And he gets brought back in by Wolverine to join the Uncanny Avengers. And that's my favorite Sunfire, is when he's at his lowest. All right. <laughs> so, Sunfire. Because it's a redemption story, Tom. I do love a redemption story. Sunfire is a mutant, like a, 
most of the X-Men. He can fly. He has plasma bolts. He's immune to radiation. Um, can he do anything else? Can he absorb radiation? I think I remember one where he had to absorb. He does absorb he can, solar he radiation. He absorbs solar radiation yeah. and turns right. it into plasma bolts. Just and solar? At one point, he became pestilence. So he was able to spread illness. Uh, no, I thought he was famine. Was it famine? All right. Maybe it was famine. So, yeah, he gains a couple of powers when Apocalypse changes him. He can produce flashes of light with his plasma, and those induce psychosis into people thinking they're starving. Um, and he also made it so he, before he had a force field that protected him from his own plasma, as well as other heat and radiation. And he had that so that also generates its own sort of atmosphere, so he can use his fire powers in space. Uh, that's pretty cool. So I think he upgraded his force field and gave him the famine power. I'm pretty sure he was famine. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he was famine. Seems like he would run out of oxygen with the fire going inside that force field. Oh, he produces oxygen. He uses his powers to produce oxygen magically, Mike. Okay, sure. Uh, Why not? Yeah. I mean, the dude's flying. I mean, yeah. why am yeah. I upset about that I mean, part of science as opposed to <laughs> he can fly? Apocalypse made it so he could use his powers in space. That's 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 the uh, sure. I, I don't know how it works. Yeah, he science the shit out of it. That's, that's how right. he did it. Yeah, so he, fight, fight, yeah. How he fucking. That's how he rolls. Yeah. I mean, he also has prosthetic limbs. He does, his legs are prosthetic, right? So yeah. When did he lose his legs? He got his legs cut off. I think it was fighting Apocalypse, right? And then he gave his powers to Rogue so she could fight someone. Rogue had all of his powers for a while, like completely stole all of his powers. So he was a mute with no powers until Apocalypse found him and basically said, hey, I will uh, give you all your powers. If you got to become a horseman. And he was like, nah, that's not cool. Yeah, who would like that? So uh, I'm looking at his official page. He does have a bio oxygen generator. Yeah, see? But he was famine. So yeah, yeah they size the yeah. He has one other one that we didn't mention, which is heat signature sense. Uh, much like uh, uh, Wolverine's uh, enhanced senses, he can sense who you are by your heat signature. Everyone gives off their own heat signature, so disguises are a little bit tough uh, if you're around Sunfire. So nice try, Mystique. Nice, Tom. Do you use your middle initial on your heat signature or no? Sometimes. Yeah. It's I'm too- a middle. I'm a middle initial guy. It's two middle initials now, so it's Thomas H. D. Strange. Yeah. So oh, I like good. It. You're an, you're an H. D. I'm an H. Yeah. D. Yeah, that's good. I kind of wish my name was Paul, then I'd be Ph. D. Strange. Hmm. I'd be Doctor Strange by default. That'd be you could perfect. also add full, and oh. as a second middle name, and be full H. D. <laughs> nobody wants to be partial H. D. Yeah. yeah. Mike, do you have a favorite run in the in the Sunfire series? Um, issue 64 is first appearance because I own that issue. So <laughs> it's worth money. It's worth <laughs> money. Is it worth, is it worth money because Sunfire's in it? Yeah. Oh God. It's worth oh, tens, yeah. of yeah. tens of dollars. Tens of dollars. This is a character that didn't really like grasp me, but he was, yeah. But, you know, and Tommy, you said brash three times when you were describing his character. Oh, yeah. I always kind of thought of more brash. Just, Proud. Yeah, proud too. Proud, I mean, I'm not 
saying he's not brash. It's just not a word that came up as much as you said it today. And brash, I guess I would see that, but more like just like fiercely proud of being Japanese in a time when being Japanese in America was not looked on as, as much. There's always been kind of a, uh, demasculation of Asian men in our culture because of many, 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 many stupid things. And I, I think this proud Japanese character was kind of fighting against that. And I can still remember the first time I saw Sunfire, which was on Spider-Man and his amazing friends back when he different. fell in love with Firestar. <laughs> I don't remember that episode. Was it good? I, of course it was. He of came co- over. Of course it was, Tom, you idiot. <laughs> he came over from Japan with uh, to to try to to try to get Firestar to help him start up a fusion reactor for his uncle, and he ended up meeting uh, Firestar, uh, her her alter identity at a a fair where he was showing off some samurai robots. As one does. As one does. Because a helicopter went out of control, and naturally Sunfire went to save the people in the helicopter and met up with Firestar and Iceman and Spider-Man there. And then he also met up with with the alter egos of such at the fair. Did the uncle end up being evil? The uncle ended up being evil because really he didn't want to provide clean energy for the world. He just wanted to create fire monsters. I don't want to create free energy for the world. I want to create fire monsters. I wanted to create fire monsters so he could take over the world. I mean, he could have taken <laughs> over the world if he could provide free clean energy. I'd pay the guy. It's not the way he wanted to do it, Mikey. It's a better way. So many of these evil geniuses do not see the big picture. Evil, evil, mediocre brainiacs. I don't know what to call some of these guys. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely that was free energy was not his plan. Fire monsters to subjugate everyone. That was his plan. Yeah, that's not an evil genius. That's an evil moron. Yeah. And yet he could have made tons of money with his robotic samurai with their sonic swords. Let's not call him a moron. I mean, he was able to create fire monsters. You can't do that. I can create fire monsters. But, yeah, with a lighter and some fuel. (laughs) Hey, the fire monsters, your personal demon, Mike. I'll I'll, I'll show you. Please don't. Are you home? No. (laughs) I'm in Japan. You can see from my background. (laughs) Yeah. They still Uh, make Aquanet. What's up? They still yes. make that? All right. Uh, what's, and I can make a fire monster. You can. So, Sunfire, what's the deal with his mask? Ugh. Uh, it always kind of looks like a fish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like fishy. Yeah. It's also like a starfish it, just fell into his face as he was flying face. by. Yeah. Yeah, like, like they wanted uh, Starro to take over him, but it's a different universe. Different universe. So. Yeah. yeah. They also him, gave him the Hinomaru, the wartime flag of Japan, instead of the Japanese flag, which I thought was interesting. And he's got the little nuclear symbol on his belt. Yeah. Just to warn people. Hey. Warn people. Watch out. I think it's to signify that, you know, he wouldn't have his powers without the war 
and nuclear devastation. So he should be thanking us, is what you're saying. Moving on. So, I mean, so if you rolled him up in the Marvel Superpowers book, he would be an altered an altered human, depending if he was. Yeah. Or unless it unlocked his mutant ability. Well, I mean, he was born a mutant, I think. I think he's just, his mom was altered. Well, if he premiered in 1970, I guess it depends how old it was when he was in the first issue, whether or not he was born already. Because it just said his mother was radiated in Hiroshima. Yeah. He could have been, she could have been pregnant with him, or he could have already been born. I don't really know. Yeah, 1970s. Now we're just splitting genes. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm just saying, like, in the like ultimate power book. Yeah. He could that, was, that wasn't the worst pun ever, by the way, L2. We didn't give him enough credit. Yeah. All right, L2, you, right. you get the one. Yeah, that was much that. better than the uh, the vague reference you did on the Geek League today. Yeah, the yeah. vague booking and, uh, and yeah. what that was. Yeah. Wait, what's the Geek League? Oh, the Geek League, I'm glad you asked. That's our other podcast that we do uh, on our Patreon page. And for a mere $1 a month. Wait a second. $1 a month, the same price as a hand job downtown? Same as downtown or at the nunnery. One damn dollar a month, and all the money does go to the Elizabeth Peabody House, a food bank here in the Boston area that provides up to 110 bags of groceries to families a week. These are pretty good bags. Ah, nice. Yeah, I'm proud of them. (laughs) But getting back to uh, our good friend Sunfire, anybody have any last words or last thoughts? I don't remember any big story arc where he took a, a huge role. There there have been other characters like this that have morphed or their powers have changed. He did, of course, when he became Pestilence, but he just never really did He's never been a me. central focus of any of yeah. X-Men's story. Yeah, he's never even had his own. I think he's only had one issue of his own book, and it was like a Marvel Presents or something. It wasn't even really. It was like yeah. A, he had one solo issue, and that was it. I, I think I feel like he's a colorful side character with a very predictable power set that's easy to use for things. And splashy. They, I think they tried to like elevate him again with Apocalypse to like try to like reintroduce him and put him back into the world, sort of Archangel him. It just didn't work because his power set wasn't really coordinated with what he did. It wasn't particularly interesting. Um. So, yeah, I think he just floundered again, and they just let him drift off into the background. And I'm not sure if you need your own book to be interesting. You know, no. that's, a, that's a horse and cart kind of story. Yeah, there, no, there, I, don't, I don't think it's necessary, but... It uh, sure helps. It certainly yeah. helps. I'll agree and with it's you. certainly an indicator of, you know, how how writers think about characters, whether or not 100%. they try to get them their own their own title, or at least, at least a major storyline where they're the focus. And I didn't, honestly, I can't even bring one of those to mind where he's the sole focus of a storyline yeah neither can i well i guess that brings us to the front the back of the long box let's go with the back of the long box first lt what do you got the back of the long box for us i have orion's outcasts this it's by corporan uh and jorge miguel and it is a it's a sci-fi story told in two volumes it's kind of a almost like a star trek prime directives type story in that 
a woman is sent to the planet Orion to fetch a man who crash landed there because they're not supposed to have any contact with the planet because the planet has not reached a level of sophistication and civilization where they're where the planetary brotherhood uh, will allow them to actually interact and uh, and make contact with them. So she's kind of sent there to kind of find out what happened to this guy, bring him back, trying to eliminate sort of the contagion and get him out of there and find out what the deal is and such. She gets down there and her ship gets attacked by a, a sort of sea beast and she has to stop, make repairs. She's detained by the by the people of the planet. Meanwhile, there's a whole storyline going on where there's a caste system in the planet and members of the warrior caste are getting cast out. And really what you find out is the guy that supposedly crash landed did not crash at all. He has been running guns to the sort of uh, religious caste because they're trying to get rid of the warrior caste and just take over all of society. And so they're trying to hoard guns that can are superior to anything that the warrior caste can do and just take over. And it's this sort of interesting storyline where you've got this woman who thinks she's rescuing this guy, this guy who is just trying to make money, <laughs> even though he shouldn't be there and knows better, et cetera, and so forth. And it's a really great story. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you all the details because you should read it. But there is a twist that goes on with it. So, but it's intriguing. It's good. It has um, a lot of different like subplots that are going on that make it compelling and it's very interesting and good and it's really you know about 128 pages or so because it's two volumes of like extended books that are european and the europeans all all have more than like 22 pages in them but but yeah so check it out orion's outcasts and there's a little bit of a double entendre there because not only are the people outcasts but it's also out of their caste system. Ooh, I see what you did there. Mm. Nice. Uh. Nice. Huh? Uh. Ah. Mikey, what do you have the front of the log box for us? So, a few months ago, I told everybody that if you wanted to check out the best. Uh, this thing. Closer. <laughs> closer. The best graphic novel that is a noir story with uh, within comic books that you should be reading The Human Target. And I'll be damned if I wasn't wrong because this weekend I found the greatest superhero noir comic and it is Gotham City, Year One, Tom King, Phil Hester. Holy shit. This is maybe my favorite Tom King series. Wow. Really? It is Slam Bradley telling a story to the Batman. 
Uh, Slam, Slam Bradley, that's a name you can hang your hat on right there. I like a good name, and that's a good name. That is a good name. Slam Bradley, a detective, first appeared in Action Comics number one. Same issue as Superman. So he, mm-hmm. he's got roots going all the way back to that's the beginning. Roots. And it is a story, It's like I said, a noir story set in the Batman universe, but be- well before Batman's time. It deals with racism and class structure. Um, so, you know, the good old days in this Gotham is the shining city on the hill. Uh, and it is a great time to be in Gotham as long as you are one of the rich elite people living in Gotham. If you are not, then it's a really shitty time to live in Gotham. But Josh, Tom, LT, I, I assure you guys, I I will give you the money back guarantee. You buy this comic and you do not like it, I will pay you what you spent on it. This is, is this, such a great comic. Where it's can we get it digitally? Six issues. It's six issues. You can get it digitally now. Or if you want to wait, uh, the last issue should be coming out soon. Um, if it's not already out, I haven't picked up my comics recently. But you could wait for the graphic novel to come out. Either way, really, really good. One of the best series uh, I've read in in a long time. I will read this. I love a nice noir. You know me. Yep. And I don't want to give anything away. But it's, again, if you're a fan of noir, fan of Batman, it's a way to injure. The way this... The story goes, he takes a lot of information on the Batman lore mm-hmm. and gives it a different spin. Does a super young and fresh-faced, happy-go-lucky Harvey Bullock show up somewhere? No, this is set right after World War II. All right, so maybe a kid. <laughs> maybe one of the Although, kids. Although, <laughs> when I first picked up issue, the issues, oh, I hadn't yeah. read them yet, and I was like, Oh, this is a Harvey Bullock story. Yeah. It does and look I, like Harvey Bullock. Well, a, a very thin Harvey Bullock. I was thinking a young Harvey Bullock. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, no, that's Slam Bradley. But Or Harvey Bullock's a vampire. Or maybe Harvey Bullock was a Slam Bradley fan. Or Harvey Bullock is Vandal Savage. <gasps> or, dun, dun, dun. or Harvey Bullock is Slam Bradley's son. Oh, I don't hate that. <laughs> not the least. Yeah, sure, why not? Wife got remarried because Slam Bradley slammed around a little bit. That's how he got his nickname. <laughs> How's the wife doing, Mitch? Call me Slam. You, you actually find slam. out why Slam Bradley has that nickname. Oh, and he nice. does not like it. He <laughs> <laughs> oh. was he was the first guy to go, but da da but da da slam the boys the yeah. boys. Just fucking beat me to it. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. That was a little tangential. Me and Josh just went off on a music one. Heard Sabotage today, and it was like I heard it for the first time. Uh, so good. So good. Music, music just brings me back. But that's tangential, too. Josh, what's your tangent this week? So the uh, the new Flash trailer dropped today. 
yeah. uh, for those interested in seeing what is supposed to be the reboot of the uh, DC on-screen universe. And I've also been reading a lot about the, um, uh, what's the monster team? Creature Commandos? The Creature oh. Commandos. Now, I have to say, the casting for the Creature they have they cast the Creature Commandos so they would both voice the cartoon and play their live-action selves in the films. And I have to say, the casting is fucking perfect. I'm not sure there was someone on that cast that I would replace to play somebody already there. Who's on it? Oh, fuck, Jesus Christ. Now i got to look it up. <laughs> Don't call me on my rhetoric. <laughs> yes. Commando cast. What do we got here? Uh, here we go. So Frank Grillo of uh, Crossbones Ooh, fame yeah. is Rick Flagg Sr. Nice. Uh, Indira Varma, who was um, in Game of Thrones as the, uh, the Queen of the South. Uh, she was the Viper's wife. Oh, yeah. uh, she is the bride. Oh, nice. The bride. Okay, jeez. Uh, um, Maria Bakalova is Alana Rostovic. Ooh. Uh, Zoe Chow is Nina Mazursky. I barely know these people. Um, David Harbour is Frankenstein. David Harbour. What do I know David Harbour from? From Stranger Things, Hellboy, David oh, Harbour. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean Gunn is G.I. Robot. Oh, uh, your co-star right. Alan Tudyk is Doctor Phosphorus, oh. <laughs> and Steve Agee is back as Economos. Nice. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's um. I will put this in chat because yeah, it. The I casting... mean, you should have led with Alan Tudyk, and then I would have been like, uh, I don't need to hear anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it looks. The animation looks spot on. And the fact that they're going to play their um, their counterparts in live action is just amazing. Um, but yeah, so I was on about the Flash trailer, uh, which is the sort of the reboot for the Marvel Universe. Uh, it's for the DC Universe, uh, where they're going to use uh, basically the plot of Flashpoint to sort of do a, a universal reset. But if you could reset the universe using some mechanism in DC... What DC mechanism are you going to use? Who are you going to use? Who would you use besides Flash to reset the DC universe? Oh, uh, I would go. Well, they already did Crisis on Infinite Earths. They did. Ish. Yeah. I might go old school and go with a time traveler. Oh, the time trapper from Legion of Superheroes. Okay, because no one would see that coming. Nobody would see that coming. No, yeah, nailed that. Well, look, I mean, these movies historically have had an issue making money, right? I mean, DC has always had a little bit of a problem making the money that Marvel has made. So therefore, there's only one way you can ensure that you're going to make money on these movies, and that is with advertising. And therefore, you bring the Colonel Sanders from multiple universes of the DC universe into the movies, 
and you reset it with the crisis of multiple Colonel Sanders and you make that movie and you bring in all that KFC Taco Bell money. Okay. I've heard worse ideas. I mean, the product placement idea is certainly not bad. Not bad. Yeah. The rest of the idea is horrible, but horrible. the, the, the the product, product placement, placement. I, I totally off. sold on. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking of a T.O. Morrow. Mad scientist who creates robots. Tomorrow. Wasn't that uh, what was uh, Guy Gardner? Not Guy Gardner. T.O. Morrow created Red Tornado. Red Tornado. Tornado. Yeah. That's right. No, I'm thinking of, that's not. I'm, I'm thinking of the alter ego of Booster Gold. Rip Hunter. Hunter. Rip Hunter time. I'm thinking of Rip Hunter. Uh, I'm thinking of a, uh, a like a Booster Gold fucking it up real bad, and Rip Hunter having to fix it. So a divergent timeline. Yeah. I know it's not the most incredible thing everyone sent for, but that's. That's my first go-to on that for a reset. Like Blue Beetle just absolutely fucking up, and then Rip Hunter fixing it with no one knowing in the end that it was actually Booster Gold fixing. Uh, all right, here's my pitch. All right. Opening all right. scene: Trigon is battling the Titans, mm-hmm. and uh, he ki- is kicking their ass. He's destroying all of them, and uh, Raven teleports out gets a hold of Justice League Dark and they have to go reset everything. See, I was on the same path, but I was going to have Justice League Dark finding Witch Boy and rescuing the Justice League and them having coming out of all their magical miasma to awake to uh, realize that all of their terrible cinematic runs were all in their head. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh like, that shit would never happen that's terrible superman I, wakes I up he's like why do i have an erection oh that's right i killed zod in my dream that's right <laughs> do we have ryan reynolds waking up too just for fun just yeah oh i'm not even in the dish <laughs> what the hell was that <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah just a green stain on his finger that's yeah. it that's all he gets i'm for it no you take it one step further Instead of a green stain, no, 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 it's like, no. I was going to say, it's just, it's like a candied ring that started to dissolve. How's that better? What did I tell you? <laughs> I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good ring pop as much as the next three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Josh has a ring pop story that kills me every single time. Can you give us just the, the kernel of it? Because it's hilarious. I don't even remember my own story. Josh was telling me the story once of this kid who was his first day in the school. Nobody knew him. He was wearing a ring pop. And someone said, hey, man, nice ring pop. And the kid hauls back and smashes him on the face with the ring pop, leaving just a little stain on his forehead. (laughs) And no one fucked with the kid again for two years. That little boy was Josh Hopper. <laughs> Josh, you told me that way, way, way back in the day. And I've never forgotten it. Okay. That kitty hit? Nelson Mandela. 
Weird. Nelson Mandela. Anyways. Anyway. I guess that brings us over to plugs. All right. Anything big to plug? Anything that we're in for? I'm looking forward to Terrificon, which is going to be at Mohegan Sun in July. Yeah, uh, they have a ton of Good. great, great people going there. Can't wait to talk to Chris Claremont. Ask him about, God damn it, what was I supposed to ask him about? I'm going to have to go back and listen to our past podcast. <laughs> I to talk about something. So all kinds of stuff. Should have wrote Chris that down. <sighs> it's a good lineup this year. I might stay in Mohegan. Well, yeah, I might stay in Mohegan Sun for that. Do two days. I, mean, I, got, I got eight bucks. Might stay at Mikey's yeah. house. <laughs> it's 45 minutes from my house. I don't know. Yeah. I sleep in my own bed, but. I might sleep at Josh's house. There's <laughs> always that. Might do that, too. Anything else coming up? I have uh, a big uh, Amgar thing coming up in uh, May uh, that I'm uh, hosting in New York. It's going to be a three-day event. If any of our people like live-action role-playing, you're free to come up and join us, even if you're not in Amgar. It could be your first weekend ever. It's called the Corsairs Cup. It is a pirate-themed LARP that we're running in New York for three full days. There are war games, battle games, a quest, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. So we're getting ready for Pentacon, which I know is not until February of next year. But one of the panels that we're going to do is don't read this banned books, specifically banned comic books. I spent a hundred bucks on Amazon yesterday, buying a bunch of the latest graphic novels that have been banned in different states. So Good for you for pointing me to some graphic novels I definitely want to read now. <laughs> Thanks, bigots. Is is there nothing they can't do? Oh. Bigots, they're a moving bigots. force in our society. Yeah. There's something. Sure. Something There's like something. That. Hateful people. They'll 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 band us together eventually. It might take us a minute, for frick's sake. <laughs> But while we're plugging things, I'd like to plug GeekOrthodox.com. GeekOrthodox.com. Hello, Tammy. And it's me. GeekOrthodox.com, purveyor of fine stained glass prints, Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses, you name it, they've got it. GeekOrthodox.com. Well, what about t-shirts? T-shirts. You can get all your t-shirts at ianlino.com because t-shirts are at ianlino.com. Their sister site, if you will. That's where they have t-shirts. They have baseball caps. They have socks. All that apparel is at ianlino.com. My camera sucks. Your camera does suck. <laughs> I'm wearing the Blessed Are the Geek uh, shirt. Hoodie. Yeah, and Josh has got the ROS tour. Yeah, the RUSs. Don't believe in them. So, is the bridge anyway, quite opening? Anyway, go to Geek Orthodox and eonlino.com for all your geeky needs and apparel needs. Well, I'd like to thank Kirby Crackle, who provides our geek rock music every week that we uh, have music. Uh, yeah, we have music. But yeah, go check them out at kirbycracklemusic.com. <laughs> Have you been putting music in, Mikey? Oh, I have not. No, no. As long as we're plugging bands, I would like to plug uh, Trials of Cato. 
an English folk band. They're playing at the Chelsea Folk Festival this next weekend in England. They are touring the United States again next year. They just got through a California tour. And I take banjo lessons from Polly Bolton, one of the uh, the main one of the banjo players and mandolin players of the group. And she's a delight. I would like to plug our dodgeball team, Cat Five. They are back again this season, and good luck, Cat Five. Good luck, Cat Sweet. Five. Are we buying them new shirts this year? I'm in. Pump the brakes. They already have shirts. Yeah, I got some shirts. I was going to say, they should already have some shirts. How are those shirts looking? <laughs> When's the last time we bought them shirts, guys? It was like five years ago. Yeah. It was like five years ago. Well, you think they get torn during dodgeball? Yeah. Just be careful. They only play like 20 games a year. Do you think they sweat in them? Like, they had like two years like, off. Yeah. They did have like two years yeah. off. I'll give you that. All right. We'll buy them shorts. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all right. Cat five. If you're listening, which you better be, <laughs> go ahead and contact us. How do if they contact anyone, us? I, I will actually make this. If, if anyone from cat five does contact us, we will buy the team shorts. They contact us at lucky bastard at the long, at the longboxguys.com. Or you could tweet to us at the Longbox Guys over on is, Twitter. Is Twitter still the thing? I just posted uh-huh. a, our latest Patreon I mean, on it's Twitter slowly today. falling apart, but yeah, it's still there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a crumbling dinosaur of a are, thing. Are we verified? <laughs> are we verified? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we, Pam Anderson? No, we're not verified. With today's Twitter security, I'm pretty sure I could hack us a blue check mark if we needed to. Sweet. <laughs> Can we get a red check mark? <laughs> get a gold star in the top. How the hell yeah. did I get that? It can't be that hard to do. Can't. Be. <laughs> a little gold star in our picture. <laughs> and with that, I would like to say this. Tommy, sweet, sweet Tommy, any last words? Yeah. If you haven't gotten your shot, you should get a shot. It's almost time for a third booster. Yeah. Get shots with the long box, guys. Shot, shot, shot. I'm sick of these shots. Shots. <laughs> Josh, the pharmacy getting a shot. Is that your department? Uh that's it's not my it's not my sector. I didn't think so. <laughs> hey Mikey, what's this podcast like to you? It's like drunk history, but for comics. And don't forget what I always say, don't diss what you hate. Just promote what you love. You will live longer. Thank you for the long box, guys. Love you, bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.